Thank you for listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Sign up to our Patreon to receive bonus content, live streams and our weekly newsletter with money off books and museum visits as well. Plus early access to all live show tickets. That's patreon.com slash we have ways. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Katty Kay, U.S. Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics U.S., brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, or people <laughs> will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. It was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check. Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? <laughs> well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii. Okay. And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration. In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics US wherever you get your podcasts. Attention, attention, which is, of course, English for Achtung, Achtung. Perhaps it should be tally-ho, tally-ho today, James. Yes, it um, should be, really, after shouldn't all, it? Tally-ho, tally-ho. Um, yeah. After all, um, it's Battle of Britain Day today, yes. isn't it? There's no other language to Little open the show. Little job seen at eight, uh, Angels 18. A, a friend of mine, um, a South African, South African comic, said that his dad was in the South African Air Force and they all they all still used tally-ho. So it's all like that. It's tally ho, tally ho, boys. Tally ho, tally ho, tally ho. Anyway, I'm on it, Pete. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, we've done an awful lot. I'm, I'm gonna, I think it's fair to say an awful lot on the Battle of Britain in recent months, yeah. and I know you've enjoyed it in, enormously. But it is a subject we do like to return to, and we know, dear listener, you don't mind the occasional mention of Spitfires and fighting in the skies over Kent. Um, and well, James Holland, who knows a thing or two about this subject, is with me, of course. 
James, <laughs> a simple question this. Very often, I mean, very often I think sometimes you have to ask the sort of, you do have to ask the daft question sometimes because maybe they go unanswered. I mean, after all, I, you know, it's the 17th of September soon and that's when they celebrate the Battle of Arnhem because, or commemorate the Battle of Arnhem because that's when it began, right? That, that's, that one's pretty easy. But the Battle yep. of Britain did not begin on September the 15th. Why today? Why not Adler Tag? Why, why the 15th? Well, I think it was because it was seen as the sort of culmination of the battle and it was also reported at the time as the day of heaviest Luftwaffe losses. Right. Um, RF claims were 174 um, and, and it took a little while to kind of sort of unravel that and, and show that actually it yeah. wasn't anything like that. It was actually only 61. <laughs> but, but, yeah. but, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. And it also, I think it was a very visible battle. It was a, it was a very clear, sunny day. It was sort of it, actually not, not at all dissimilar to... to um, to today, you know, warm yeah. mid-September weather, um, yeah, blue skies, yeah. a few fluffy white cumulus, and that was it. And I suppose yeah. because the two big raids of the day focused over London, and London was the biggest city, of course, and the centre of the whole British Empire and all the rest of it, it was yeah. just so visible. You know, everyone could see that this was a monster battle. Um, yeah. And although the battle continues you know, on into the autumn and, and frankly beyond the 31st of October, which is the official end of the Battle of Britain. It just felt like the, like the biggie. It just felt like the big right. day, I think. Okay. As though a kind of sort of a corner had been turned in the well, eyes it, yeah. of those who were sort of watching it and those who were actually kind of trying to fight it and command it. Well, it's sort of, they've, they've flung, they've fl- done their worst, haven't they? They try their, they, they do their, they, 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 <laughs> It's the kitchen sink on September the fifteenth, isn't it? Yeah. By the Germans, and so and so you repel, you repulse that, yeah. you beat that, or you, or at least you, you stop it sufficiently. Yes. And and everyone notices, and you, and it. I mean, it's it's all. I mean, it, you know, it. Uh, I suppose the fifteenth fits into the sort of. I know this is a thing Churchill says later, but it's not the beginning of the end or the end of the. Be- you know, you know what I mean. It's but it's certainly the. It's the point at which a point of no return, in fact, for the Luftwaffe. Isn't it? Yeah, no. I mean, they're they're really they're really up the creek by this point, and particularly in yeah. terms of single engine fighter planes, I, I, especially. You know, the bomber force is 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 just being sort of attrited, so it's 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 punch factor is just being lessened. And although obviously, you know, if you happen to be in Coventry in November, um, you might kind of strongly disagree with that statement. But generally, as yeah. a kind of force that can overwhelm Britain and the RAF, the, the bomber force has lost its punch. You know, the Stukas, which amounted to kind of sort of, you know, 350 of them or something like that. Um, you know, they've been withdrawn from the battle by this stage. Yeah. Yeah. Single engine fighters are down to about kind of sort of, you know, 250, 300 in number. You know, they started the battle with sort of 740, something like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. so they're really being kind of whittled down again and no chance of kind of replacing the losses. So, no. you know, or, or not anytime soon. Also, the, you just said, you know, it's really interesting. Though We've talked about it before, those um, recorded conversations with catcher pilots that they held at Trent Park in northwest, yeah. um, northeast London. Uh, and you do see an absolute key change in those transcriptions of those conversations. About this time, those who are kind of sort of, you know, we're going to whip their asses and we're going to win and Hitler's great and so is Goering. That kind of conversation is being replaced by, this is an absolute joke. You know, they told us they were kind of, you know, the RF was beaten, but they're clearly not. Yeah. The latter kind of phrase and conversation is starting to come into the conversation a lot more. You see this yeah. kind of sort of dip in morale. And that's because they've just been overflown and they're just, you know, they're not, yeah. they haven't achieved what they were, 
hold they were going to achieve. But yeah. I do think it's, you know, I'm very interested in this whole idea, you know, which is sort of really prompted, I suppose, by kind of when we had Phil Payson O'Brien on and talking about sort of, you know, crunching the data. And crunching the data is very um, fashionable these days, isn't it? Um, yeah. You know, I was playing cricket with Jared Kimber the other day, you know, who's a sort of the great cricket data anal- analyst. Yeah. And, of course, you've got Moneyball, haven't you, famously, you know, with, yeah. uh, in, in baseball and so on. And, and it is interesting when you actually start kind of taking away what people say in memoirs and what has become the kind of the myth and actually start look, doing some number crunching. Number crunching obviously has to be kind of done in context with human experience as well, because number crunching yeah. doesn't tell you everything at all. But it is interesting nonetheless. And actually, Guy Walters, you know, our friend, um, yesterday gave me this Admiralty um, Ships of the Royal Navy Statement of Losses during the Second World War. And it's this whole yeah. booklet of every single vessel that was lost. And again, it's just sort of completely opens your eyes to kind of... It's quite thin, that book. Well, it is and it isn't because it's, I mean, total 1,500 <laughs> I mean, lost. The 15,000 or something. I mean, it's a frick of a lot. You know, total, yeah. From the I mean, hood it's, down. It's a, yeah, and a lot of these are landing craft and stuff, but yeah, yeah. 15,000 aircraft, um, 15,000 uh, um, ships is a huge number. Anyway, I've sort of, you know, I'm still to go through it, but I thought it'd be interesting. But I do think it'd be interesting to actually just look at exactly what did happen on the 15th of September. Yeah. Rather than just the kind of anecdotes of kind of huge great air battles over London. Because it, it, yep. it started fine. Visibility was really good. Um, yep. Clouds started to develop steadily, but very kind of high cumulus. Um, yep. Mid-afternoon, there was some quite thick cloud. Um, yep. Eight tenths, ten tenths at around 4,000 to 6,000 feet and clear yep. after that. But beautiful in yep. the morning, middle of the day. Um First Luftwaffe recce planes um, seen over the west and northwest between 0900 and 1100. Yeah. Um, a Heinkel 111 was the first plane to be shot down that day, uh, which was over Bolt Head, which is near Kingsbridge in Devon, soon after 9am. Really? A lone Heinkel 111. I mean, you know, what the heck's that doing there? And then nothing in the southeast at all wait, wait, wait. until oh, after 10am. There which is an outfit, increase. Which outfits for that Heinkel from? Who knows? <laughs> you know, I mean, unless, know. unless he's flying, towing a great oh, big radar reflector, you know, unless he's towing, flying a great big radar reflector to try and spook the Air Force, the RAF into thinking there's something coming to... I mean, that is extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hold on. Let me just see if I can look it up. Um, anyway, keep, keep nothing, going. Nothing in the southeast until... Yeah. Uh, after 10 a.m., when there's an increase of German patrols over the Straits of Dover. Right. Which, again, is just saying, we're coming in large scale over the Straits of Dover and we're just sort of <laughs> yeah. clearing the airways a little bit beforehand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know. And then by 11 a.m., it's clear from radar, from RDF, the RDF changes, it was called Radio Direction Finding, uh, finding as it was known at the time. Yeah. Um, it's clear that there's something brewing. And, and what this means is you're starting to pick up formations of bombers taking off from their airfields. And what yeah. they do is they all circle around from their airfields and then all form up, just as the you know yeah. the Eighth Air Force was doing later on in the war. Yeah. yeah. And then the first wave is over London between eleven thirty a.m. and twelve forty-five, and it's eleven thirty that the first German forces cross Kent at Manchester. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, around that area. Um, and I mean, it's quite interesting that, that it's quite late, isn't it? That when's when takes dawn? Them half an hour to form up. Yes, but when's dawn? Yeah, on, well, it's about, about it's probably about 
quarter seven, isn't it? By that time, so they're so they're taking their time, like delivering this maximum punch, aren't they? I mean, that they aren't yeah. all taking off, forming up at dawn. No, you know, and and obviously, I mean, I mean, when you you start thinking about it, um, what you can't do in this situation is, you know, it, it's not like a, it's not like a, a a ground attack where what you do is is you douse the opposition with artillery before you make your move. You can't do that. In this context, so you say they send fighters no. up to patrol the Straits of Dover. What's the, in a way, what's the point of that? Apart from, I suppose, you scramble some squadrons, the RAF scrambles some squadrons who then have to land again and be refueled and rearmed. You know that you cause a delay. Well, no, actually, not, not at no. all. No, not at well, all. So they don't, in, they don't buy it. Yeah, they don't buy no. it. Yeah. First, first takeoff is eleven oh five, which is seventy two and ninety two squadron. Yeah. Ordered to patrol Canterbury at twenty five thousand feet. Yeah. So, so the interesting thing about about this, it suddenly becomes clear that it's a big form, you know, bigish formation, yeah. single formation. So, so that gives the controllers at eleven group, i.e., Keith Park and yeah. all the rest of it, and the yeah. and the ground controllers in that room at Uxbridge in that bunker at Uxbridge. That gives them the yeah. time to couple ten squadrons together. Yeah, and yeah. also bring Blimey. reinforcements from ten and twelve group, all yeah. before eleven thirty when the yeah. when the first planes cross go. So you see eleven oh five. 72 and 92 squadron scrambled. 1115, 229 and 303 squadron, which of course is the Poles. Um, yeah. uh, 1115, also 17 and 73 squadrons from Debden. Um, 253 and 501 squadron from Kenley. Yeah. 1120, 504 squadron and 257 squadron from Martlesham. Yeah. 112603 squadron from Hornchurch. 112609 squadron from Middle Wallop. To patrol yeah. the Brooklands, Windsor at fifteen thousand feet. Eleven twenty-five, two forty-two, nineteen, three hundred two, three ten, and six eleven, yeah. all from Duxford yeah. to patrol. So that's the yeah. big wing. Um, yeah. uh, and you know they're all crossing. The, the, the most of the Germans have crossed the crossed the Kent coast between eleven thirty-three and eleven forty in three yeah. columns. They then flew north um, and turned towards Maidstone, then spread out and head towards London. Maximum, yeah. maximum 40 bombers, possibly as few as 20, most from one KG-76. Two groups of, grouping of fighters. Um, uh, so the total formation is only about 100. Yeah. And they're all I, immediately engaged and they're just henpecked the whole way as they come up. Yeah. Successive squadrons which are patrolling all that whole leg of Kent and all around South London just go at them the whole time. Um and, and the peak of of is around sort of twelve thirty over London. Yeah. Uh, most bombs um, are landing. Yeah, around down sort of you know midday ish, between midday and and twelve thirty. Yeah. Um. But but pretty light. An, an electricity station at Beckenham is hit. A bomb lands yeah. in the garden in the front of Beckingham Palace, famously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Otherwise, it's pretty sporadic. Is this the attack when the Dornier goes down on the, um, the Victoria No, I think Station? that's later that afternoon. Right. And then the number of bombs is just only about 30 maximum bombers attacking. You see... Uh, you know, which is nothing. It's absolutely and, and, nothing. And up against how many squadrons of Spitfires? I mean, yep. Spitfires and Hurricanes. I mean, it's... It, it, that, that is, that's, you know, the wrong, that's the wrong way round in terms of the yep. myth, isn't it? it uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah, so, so the RAF loses 20 fighters in that engagement. Yeah. Um, destroyed and five damaged, five seven pilots killed. Um, the Luftwaffe loses ten bombers and twenty fighters. So if you're attacking forces between 
25 and 30, and you've lost 10, you've lost a third of your attacking force. Yeah, yeah, it's not, Just that's, like not that. good, that's, that's, that's not, not good. a good... That's not good. But the main, the main, but that is not the main event. The main event is is the one that peaks around kind of 3 o'clock. Yeah. Um, and, and so, again, there's an, the first signs of Germans massing in northern France about 1.45pm. Yeah. But no formation that can be detected by radar at all. It starts moving westwards towards Britain until just after two o'clock, about five past two. Yeah. Um, and we've got 12 British squadrons in the air by five past two. Yeah. And again, they're, 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 they're scrambled in, in in pairs, which is the way, you know, squad, uh, so you, they'd be scrambled with a Hurricane and a Spitfire squadron. So yeah. the Hurricane would be 15,000 feet, the Spitfire at kind of 25,000 feet or whatever. Yeah. You've also got, so my friend Alan Wright, who was in 92 Squadron, he was also flying up at kind of 35,000 feet as a, as a, as a spotter. So he moved right. down early in the morning down to, I think it was Hawkinge, somewhere like that. Yeah. Took off. And so he was an extra set of eyes. So you've got the observer crew on the ground, you've got radar, yeah. and you've got Alan yeah. up there radioing back going, I can see them, they're all coming, here they are. Blimey. Because he could see the whole shooting match. Yeah, he could see the whole, of, uh, yeah, the, um, whole, the whole of southern England, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so again, it's three German forces. Um, uh, the observer corps struggling a little bit because cloud is starting to build up over that afternoon. Yeah. Um, but the total is about, it's around 300 German aircraft, of which 100 are bombers, 200 are fighter escort. It's 100 yeah. bombers. I mean, you know, it's really pretty small beer well, and, in the big and, scheme of things. And after all, they're not, you know, they're not, they're not heavies either, are they? So yeah. it's, it's, it's 100 twin engine bombers, isn't it? It's yeah. not, it's, it's yeah, not yeah. your great dirty payloads that you get later on in the war from, from, from the British. Yeah, and, and and they're coming in three columns, all in a, going in a row. So you've got the southern column, yeah. which is Dornier 17s, middle bombers, which is a mixture of Heinkel 111s and Dornier 17s, and you've got Norval, yeah. Norvali Stream, which is Heinkel 111s. And, you know, most of the Luftwaffe fighters were reluctant to engage. That is a report from... from from the British fighters. Yeah. Well, that ties, that ties into what you're saying about the... Um, uh, the the pilots' morale beginning to go in those yeah. uh, recorded conversations is that oh you know that uh, after all it's it, it's well into the battle isn't it it's that long flight across the channel you know you haven't got long if you get shot down you're not going home yeah. there's plenty there's plenty of reasons for 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 uh, the fighter escort pilots to be to be reluctant to get stuck in isn't there there's i mean it's all quite it's all quite understandable isn't it actually yeah that that aspect of it, especially by the, by this stage of the battle when things have started going wrong and would they have known about the first wave and how the first wave had done these people or would they not know um how much how much i mean how much internal chatter was there in the Luftwaffe between the different well, not, hardly any because they thing. they can't they can communicate within within each each staffel each squadron but, but would, they can't communicate but, but so this groups. you know so this so this this early you know the uh, mid morning uh, the noon the noon formation go, goes over them and they they get mauled there's no two ways about that yeah. but do the next lot coming are they have, have they had someone on the phone go fuck me it was terrible this morning um, do they no. know or no? no? I don't think they would do. And and the other thing is that once you're in the air, the fighters can't talk to the bombers. Yes, and the bomber yeah. streams can't talk to you know the northerly, southerly, yeah, yeah. middle one can't talk to each other. So they're, yeah, yeah, they're yeah, absolutely yeah. on their own. I mean, yeah. it's really interesting that what what you, what you find is that they come up and they're, and they're trying to hit. So so if you think of Kent and you you it's sort of slightly angled, isn't it, towards the sort of the yeah. northwest. 
So, yeah. so they're going to be hitting southeast London. That's where they're going to be hitting. What you've got also, if you've got those those um, squadrons from eleven group to the north of London, Debden, yeah. which yeah. at that point is an eleven group, um, Hornchurch, North Weald, they're all coming southwards to intercept. So, so you've got the yeah. Luftwaffe sort of coming up, and you've got them coming down. Yeah. You've also got the big wing coming into the action a little bit later. I mean, the first bombing comes around kind of sort of 2.50 p.m. And the yeah. main, the absolute height of the engagement is, is between that period and, and quarter past three. Uh, and, the, and the biggest entanglements are between the fighters are between the, the big wing when it eventually pitches up yeah. um, um, and, and the Debden fighters. So all those ones that are coming from, from kind of sort of North Essex. Yeah. Um, Suffolk, Cambridgeshire, that kind of that kind of way, but I mean, only four British pilots killed that that time. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, which is for a big for a big engagement is is not not that many. I mean, I've added up all the squadrons that are involved, and I reckon there were three hundred and thirty five hurricanes and Spitfires engaging three hundred German planes in total. Right. So three hundred and thirty five Spitfires and hurricanes. You know, that means. They've got superiority. Now, yeah. the, the the difference, of course, is is that if you are in your single squadron from Debden, you are yeah. still only one of twelve attacking. You know, maybe a formation of however many when you hit them. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. you're going to be outnumbered, but collectively you're not. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's twelve squadrons involved from from ten group, twenty six yeah. squadrons from eleven group, twelve yeah. uh, fifteen squadrons from 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 twelve group, and um, twelve squadrons from thirteen group. Yeah. So that's 240 Spitfires and Hurricanes from um from 11 group. Only and, and Luftwaffe intelligence on that day is that yeah. the RAF has 177 fighters left. Yeah, but, but in actual but, fact they have 659. But surely the minute everyone ready to go that day. Everyone lands and they say to their squadron intelligence officer, you told me there were no Spitfires and Hurricanes left. And he goes, look, I can only tell you what I'm given from the boss. You know, like, I mean, there's this clearly, you know, what it must do for morale where you're told one thing when you get in the aircraft in the morning and then you yeah. and then you get over the you get over the target, you get to the battlefield. And what you were told is totally wrong. That must that must really like. Uh... Well, yes, but you're not probably you're, you're you're probably never going to see 335, are you? You're going to see no, but you but you were told there's or... but you were told there was no one, you know, that they're done for, that there's yes. there's going you 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 you're, you're you know you've achieved air supremacy or superiority, and you're going to you know it's going to be a walk in the park, and then it definitely isn't. I mean, yeah. it, 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 I mean, how the how the Luftwaffe's morale? I mean, again, we we often come to these. Uh, these sort of moments in a lot of the battles we talk about, where you think, how on earth did they sustain their morale when it was going this badly? Well, and the I mean, you know, but but what's absolutely clear is is that morale amongst the Luftwaffe units, particularly the fighter units, is absolutely tanking at this point. Yeah, yeah, because it's they don't have to, enough yeah. aircraft, and so that means yeah. that, that that you're you're having to fly more and more sorties. You, you, yeah. you know, if you've got some greenhorns turn up, you're not going to send them over in your only, you know, one of your no. four Messerschmitt 109s that no. you've got in your staffel. So yeah. you go up again, which is why you have this sort of ludicrous situation where you have some Luftwaffe pilots flying as many seven, as seven sorties in a yeah. day. So nearly Jesus. all those who've flown on the first lot, on the first yeah. wave in the morning, would have also flown in the one in the afternoon. What would that do for your nerve? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're flying seven... I mean, cause, because after all... You know, so much of this is you're living on your nerves. I mean, you're, you know, 
Yeah. You've got to pick yourself up and you have, let's say you have a hairy, a really hairy flight and you're nearly killed or... Or, or you, you only just your make be- it back. You, or you see you, your best mate go down in flames or um, explode in front of your eyes and you land and you, you, you land and you probably have a cup of coffee and a fag while they're re, while they're re, revittling the aircraft and you get back in the thing and off you go. I mean, dear God, I mean... Uh, well, yeah, but, but, you know, we talked about Heinz Knocker before, you know, in his yeah. diary that he kept. You know, he's, he's shot down something like nine times in the Second World War and he still sort of yeah. gets back up and off he goes again and, you know, it sort of just gets worse and worse and worse. And, I mean, you know, yeah. you, I mean, you, you've read Cicely, all that stuff with Mackie Steinhoff. I mean, yeah. you know, Mackie Steinhoff is in the Battle of Britain and he's yeah. still there on Sicily kind of three years later. He's absolutely, you know, he's just stuffed. But, I mean, yeah, just to go back to, back to the 15th of September, yeah. RAF Fighter Command, they fly 705 sorties that day, which is a good number. Luftwaffe, 600. In total. That have wow. been recorded. So in other words, the RAF Fighter Command is not only flying more sorties than the Luftwaffe are, yeah. and a sortie, for those who don't know, is an individual operational flight of an individual yeah. aircraft. Plane takes off and goes away. Yeah, yeah, comes back and lands. Yeah, <laughs> Or yeah. hopefully lands. Well, hopefully, uh, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, but you know, I mean, an absolute basic rule of rule of thumb is that you need to attack with a three to one advantage minimum. You yeah, know, that isn't happening. You know, yeah. it, it, the the peak on the fifteenth of September. Yeah, they're attacking with a with a inferiority. That you know, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're thirty forty planes short of, of what the looks well what, what the fighter as, command can well, put up. Well, uh, and as well as the the home advantages and the flying time advantages all and the, and all that all stuff that. that that that's that you have to factor into fighter commands. You know, it's a simple. I mean, it's simp, a simple home advantage, which is that if you're shot down over Kent, you, you you and you survive, you're stuck in a car and you're back back on base soon enough. Uh, okay, yeah. well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take a break now. Um, there's so much to there's so much to talk about, and we have some um, housekeeping to do uh, for our regular listeners. Um, you're listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. We'll see you in a tick. Welcome back to We Have Ways of Making You Talk with me, Al Murray, and James Holland, and it's Battle of Britain Day, so we're 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 I mean we're discussing the Battle of Britain, but this day in particular, and sort of uh, marvelling at some of it because well, let me I mean, just, the thing let me is, just, let me just give you some on. stats for stats for the fifteenth of September because it's really crunch those so, numbers. So I'm going to crunch that data. So so claims um, were 174 Luftwaffe planes shot down by the RAF yeah, yeah. on that day. Yeah, the Luftwaffe claims 185. Planes shot down, which, if you remember, um, yeah. the Luftwaffe intelligence was 177 British fighters that day. So they're actually claiming there were Just kind shot of down more planes than exist. That exist. Okay, so okay, <laughs> whatever. What is really interesting is is the is the reality um, is that the RAF loses 16 pilots that day and 31 yeah. aircraft. Yeah. The Luftwaffe actually loses 61 aircraft and 93 pilots and aircrew, all of which are irreplaceable losses. You know, and I I do think that's really, really interesting. You know, in other words, although actual planes that were shot down was only double for the Luftwaffe, which is still pretty bad, that aircrew losses, uh, you know, that is not good. Yeah. Now... 93 to 16. 
15th September, of course. The other reason it's Battle of Britain Day, I think, probably the thing to throw into the mix, is it's the day Churchill goes goes to park, isn't it? And yeah. and what watches it all happen live? Um, yes. I mean, it, with his it, with his know, with his cigar in his mouth and not exactly. We're at the modern era; it would all be on screens and uh, like that that that, like that imagined office Dominic Cummings wants for himself, right? With, you know, everyone big screens <laughs> and all that. But uh, it, but he go and and of course, it's the very famous. What reserves do we have? None conversation and we've talked about this before and you you're 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 kind of like well you know this is we've we've churchill's word for this first of all yeah and you know i intend to write the history blah 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 as he said and certainly he set the tone for an awful lot of of the history what do you think's actually going he knows perfectly well that in 12 group there's no reserve that all of 12 groups in the air but you know he knows doesn't he He's not. An, he it, must one of the do. things. One of the also, things. Also, you know. I mean, even as I, I think I before. You know, even if he did say where are all the reserves, there are none. Uh, um, we don't know what kind of came before that question. Uh, what yeah. was the rest of the conversation, and what yeah. Park actually the tone of voice in which Park said it? He might yeah. have said, "Yeah, you know, so, you know." He, he might have just went, oh, "There aren't any reserves," but that's. I mean, not for me, but there are obviously another. 300 aircraft for rest around the rest of the country. So honestly, don't worry, I've got it under control. I mean, this no is a deliberate this tactic group, yeah. to put everyone up. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's all going fine. So yeah. as you can see, we're engaging and, you know, it's good. And you can hear from the chatter that we're, we're getting the, you know, because you can hear that a lot of the, you know, a lot of the ground controllers can hear hear what all the, the, the radio chatter and stuff. So you can hear what's yeah. going on and, and you, you can absolutely see it. I mean, you know, you don't have um, digital screens and all the rest of it. But you do effectively have that because the beauty of those those um, operations rooms is that you can see literally everything. You've yeah. got a representation of the entire battle yeah. of every squadron at a glance. You can see the status of each squadron, where they whether they're engaged, whether they're landing, whether they're yeah. taking off, where they are. You can see the croupiers and kind of moving the little plots all over the yeah. place. And you can, yeah. it's, there it is. I mean, you know, it's it's a it's a visual feast of the, for the eyes. You know, yeah. of, of information. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, because because the the thing is that if you're if you're in the sort of uh, the if you're in the the business of saying it's the few close run thing and all that, that's your that's your that's your moment that epitomises the battle, isn't it? Churchill yeah. saying there's no there's no reserve and all that, and uh, and 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 him you know sticking his cigar in his gob and going going back to the office. I mean, the thing is, is he leaves satisfied? So given given. Doesn't he? That's the thing. Yeah. Famously, he leaves. He leaves Park satisfied with the day's goings. So the yeah. f- the fact there is no reserve is fine. It's you know, but yeah. but it, I mean, but, but, but the point is, is that the tactics that, that Park is employing are absolutely deliberate. And the reason he's he's yeah. suddenly committing all his his squadrons at once is because for the first time they're starting to do these. You know, since the, the previous Saturday, the seventh yeah. of September, the Luftwaffe yeah. are starting to target very obviously in large formations. Whereas yeah, yeah. up until that point, what they were doing is they were sending, they were doing a scattergun approach, yeah. where yeah. piecemeal, where you got these sort of little formations of Dorniers and Heinkels sort of going hitting di- multiple different targets at different yeah. times at the same yeah. time, rather. Yeah. So because he can now predict much more clearly what the Luftwaffe is trying to do, he can mass all his squadrons safe in the knowledge that yeah. that, that that once the Luftwaffe turns around again, they're not going to suddenly get caught napping on the ground. Yeah. So. So it's fine to commit them all. Um, you got yeah. them. You might as well use them. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah, know, you yeah, don't yeah. go to. You know, you know, you're not in the middle of a battle on the ground, and you suddenly go, "Well, do I want to commit all my artillery now?" Because you know, 
But the thing is, I suppose where are all the artillery reserves? There are none because they're all firing at the Nazis. But then, but then, I mean, the the other the the other way of possibly interpreting it is this is a brand new uh, style of warfare, a brand new battle with a brand new style of warfare, brand new. You know, Park is making up as he goes along as well. He's got it right, but he is also making up as he goes along. So the it's not. It's not necessarily. Uh, it's not necessarily a given that Churchill would understand what's going on. No, because, no, not at all. You know, because after all, he, 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 he. Later in the war, he doesn't understand why so few men are in the teeth and the, why there are so many men in the tail. He can't yeah. get his head round it. So maybe he can't get his head round what's happening in the Battle of Britain. Maybe it's 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 beyond him because after all. No one has yet. You know, the Luftwaffe certainly haven't got their head around how to how to fight this sort of battle. And the RAF are arguing while they're fighting this battle how best to fight it. I mean the big wing the big wing, Lee Mallory, this is all evidence of that. That this yeah. is all happening right now, mm-hmm. right now in the moment. So for Churchill to not understand is sort of completely I think is it totally contextual. And maybe also just sort of then demonstrates uh like how how good he was at trusting his subordinates that he's yeah. he says to all right if that's the way you want to do it park then um you you, you crack on he doesn't say <laughs> bring those he doesn't say bring those squadrons down because you've committed your reserve does he no he's he's been, he's been completely disingenuous he's implying yeah. that this is a life and death <laughs> struggle that this is the last this is you know everything's been thrown into it in this last gasp yeah. attempt to, yeah. to kind of you know send harry hun back across the across the channel yeah. uh, and yeah. of course it's completely misleading because you know park might not have any more reserves but there's plenty more reserves in the rest of the country as yeah. we've already pointed yeah. out i mean what is really interesting is is that you know um, our friend said cox you know he he got um uh, the Air Historical Branch, they commissioned um, a chap called TCG James to do what is effectively an official history of the Battle of Britain. Um, yeah. uh, and, and you know, I can't even remotely claim that data crunching is anything new to me. I mean, lots of people have been doing it for absolutely years. Um, yeah. uh, and TCG James is the guy who went through everything absolutely forensically, you know, all the yeah. operational records books, all the yeah. kind of yeah. you know, group records books and, and cross-referenced everything. And so you've got a very, very accurate picture of exactly what's going on. And then when you add that onto that book that I told you about, the Battle Room and then and now, yeah. with all the details of the losses and everything, you start to get a very, very clear picture of what's going on. And what he does, what TCG James says about the 15th of September is, it is wrong to speak of this day, either as the culmination of the attacks on London or as the crisis in the battle as a whole. Well, there we go. There you go. But it's still, you know, it's still a cracking story. And, and you know, there's an amazing painting by Frank Wooten of it and stuff, you know. And, yeah. and, and it certainly, it, it may well have felt like that at the time. You yeah. Know, that it, yeah, that, no, absolutely. That, that it's over London, just, isn't it? Like you over say, because it's happening over London and a, and a bomb lands on Buckingham Palace, you know. So Yeah, and a door does know, get sliced in half and, yeah, like, and crashes on uh, Victoria Station. It's, yeah, it's all, all very, yeah. All the drama. Right, okay. Well, I think we, we you know, I think uh, regular listeners will understand perfectly well that we are capable of talking about this forever, but we have to move on. Um, <laughs> by the way, uh, my, my uh, Scarlett, my eldest, has been listening and she's nearly caught up. She went back to the beginning. Really? That's up. impressive. Yeah. 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 I, I explained to her, though, that the war is not over. Um, right. No, there's a long way to run. There's so many little nooks and crannies that we've yet to dive into. Right. More. Uh, right. Okay. So, um, uh, a bit of. Oh, by the way, did you? You didn't watch. You didn't watch Singapore Grip. No. Yeah. I it's about Brexit, I... isn't it? 
Isn't it about Brexit? Of course it is. Everything is. It's like, <laughs> Everything's um, about Brexit. Everything's like about Brexit Dev- or Dominic Cummings. Well, but the Dennis Nielsen drama, I've seen that in the preview thing, the thing with David Tennant, right? And and the opening bit... Brexit. No, but it, it's like it, it's like it's all Margaret Thatcher's fault. This bloke being a murderer <laughs> is the subtext. Like, all right, can we just do, do we have to do this with every piece of drama on the television? This is all very diverting, but we need to do a couple of pieces of parish news. Um, firstly, yes. we've been promising for ages to put a website together so that all the book recommendations and all our back catalogue of episodes are in the one place, and we've finally done it. Well, Yay. I say we. Um, a huge, a massive thank you to uh, David Paxton, who, um, yes. who, who in the summer, quite clearly um, feeling feeling some lockdown boredom, said, "Oh, by the way, I've started on a website for you, if that's all right by you." Um, and he's done a he's done a splendid job, a particularly excellent um, service cards for James and I. James is uh, in the RAF, and I am an airborne soldier, so we're getting to we're getting to. Uh, Live out our own personal counterfactuals quite deliciously. So, um, um, massive thank you to David. And like I say, everything's there in place um, uh, uh, on the site, and there will be more and uh, to come on the site. Um, independent company members um, will know about what what that means. But the regular listeners, the normal podcast, your normal podcasters, rather than the special podcast listeners, the patrons, um, uh, you'll be you'll be reaping the benefits as we go. So, check out We Have Ways Pod. Dot com and hopefully you'll find some useful stuff. The book section is particularly helpful and vast, massive, thanks to the brilliant Merrin Walters. And you know what Merrin did? And this is you see, I was thinking you could you can you can judge us you can judge the quality of the podcast by the quality of the listener. So we must we must be pretty special given what Merrin has gone and done. She went back through every episode, exploring every tangent, the poor woman, and found every book reference. She then provided a description and an overview of them all. Amazing. I mean, and her reward for this, love from us all, of course, and her choice of our new range of merch. That's right. There's merch. Yes, regular pod listeners, the merch is finally here. The T-shirt has landed. It's taken us <laughs> uh, it's taken us longer than it took Castle Bromwich to sort out the Spitfire production line. But finally, our, our, our Beaverbrook <laughs> went in there, kicked some asses, and we've launched some merch. Uh, click on the shop page of the website and have a browse of our range of stuff. Not loads of designs yet, but more to follow. And mm. as you probably... Regular listeners will know this This podcast has grown organically from me and James sat in my kitchen discussing a paperweight and the radio and the catchphrases and uh, lines of inquiry have accrued and grown. And so I think the T-shirts and the merch and the whatever else we're going to have will reflect that uh, growth and development. You know, and if we if let's say we lay off Jim Gavin next year (laughs) and we get stuck into Maxwell Taylor. Um, maybe, maybe. Uh, anyway, uh, so a quick guide to other content we have coming up on Thursday, which is Arnhem D Day. Of course, we have a very special episode with a general from the Parachute Regiment. How about that? And we ask him. We ask him. You know, you've been at that level of command. What if you were presented with a dog of a plan like that? And his his yeah. replies is well worth hearing. Um, yeah. He was very next, generalish, wasn't he? He was incredibly generalish. Yes, absolutely. Of course, the chaps did awfully well. It was that sort of thing, and it was marvellous. <laughs> he was very, very good. It was very, very good. And I, and I, um, the the thing at the end when I asked him about why do we celebrate? Why is the why is Arnhem the defeat celebrated more than Normandy the victory in in the in the in the airborne pantheon was really interesting, especially about when he first joined airborne forces in the early seventies. Uh, basically, unbelievable what he said. Um, really, really interesting to hear. Um, then next week, get this. Right, we've an extraordinary Can double episode. <laughs> Can you believe it, man? 
Oh, it's incredible. Uh, we have an extraordinary double episode with the legendary ACDC frontman, Brian Johnson, who, yeah, we discovered yeah. that Brian was filling his long Florida car journeys with endless episodes of We Have Ways of Making You Talk, so we thought we'd get him on the show. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but let's just say Brian is not Brian not only performed half a dozen parachute jumps in the TA, but he's got an unbelievable family history that includes the Durham Light Infantry, the DLI on his dad's side, and an Italian fascist past on his mother's family side. It was amazing, oh, wasn't it, was, it James? It was so good. I, honestly, I mean, it was, just, a, it was just fascinating, but also it was just so funny. I mean, he was brilliant, yeah, yeah, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah. And a, a, an extraordinary mimic as well. So you get all these voices, and, and he speaks Italian because his mother's his mother's Italian. So he's, a, he's, a, he's a, you know, he's a, he's a such a fascinating guy and, um, uh, and really, really hilarious. interested in knowing, well, he wants to know what he's because his dad didn't talk about the war. His dad wasn't a, a demonstrative man, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. And he wants to know, doesn't he? He wants, wants to, to fill in the gaps, doesn't he? Yeah, he wants to know what he happened to his dad. down at Egypt. Father... And it... That's right. That's <laughs> <laughs> just, oh, God, it was, it was just so brilliant. And also, it was, yeah. the whole thing was completely surreal, wasn't it? Because you were sitting around this yeah. table with a rock legend. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, you know, back in back, he's, let's, let's face it, the second best selling album of all time. I know. Ever. I know. It's and there insane. he is. Now, I still want to know how he sings like that, though. Well, uh, we never did ask him, did we? Yeah, I mean, but we went he... to the pub with him. Can you believe it? Yeah, we did. We did. Sitting there having kind of, you know, pie and mash. But he's telling his stories about Donald Duck Dunn and all that. Anyway, however, sweet listener, it's not one to listen to with your children unless you're extremely broad-minded, <laughs> slack parent like I am. There's what's known as industrial language, um, uh... Uh, of a sexual nature, but do not miss Brian Johnson next week. We've split it into two parts, so it's really and it's really good. It's not offensive, it's really though, good. is it? No, because he I doesn't, he doesn't use this. those words in an offensive way. No, it's no. just part of the lingo. It's the mayonnaise in the sandwich in the conversational sandwich. <laughs> it adds a little bit of flavour. <laughs> uh, right, um, some correspondence then, um, uh, and this came by email. So form your own conclusions about. The vintage of our correspondent. John Johnson from Liverpool says, just listening to your excellent Battle of Britain episodes, and I heard you mention the bombing in Liverpool. As mentioned, Liverpool was heavily bombed due to its docks, and as a result, both of my parents were bombed out of their homes. In my dad's case, this was an absolute blessing. Like okay. much of Liverpool's working population, both of my parents lived in buildings which aspired to slumdom, despite this being the 30s. After returning from being evacuated, they were rehoused in temporary housing until new homes were constructed in the 50s with no tears for their previous homes. Incidentally, mass observation reports on civilian morale after heavy bombing reported that Liverpool, alone amongst British cities, had no noticeable decline in the morale despite the pounding and ascribed this to the fact that there was a high proportion of merchant seamen, or the merch as they're called in Liverpool, and also that people's living conditions were already so uniquely bad that bombing was no extra hardship. Oh, yeah. bloody hell. I don't Gosh, get that about, but why would the high proportion of merchant seamen... Well, they're tough people, aren't they? They're tough oh, merchant seamen, they're tough people. They're yeah. tough people who, you know, literally, worst things happen at sea, James. Literally. Yeah, 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 OK. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, Liverpool was really run down, wasn't it, in the 1930s? Yeah. It's yeah. a brilliant book by Juliet Gardner on the 1930s, and, you know, it's a, a Britain in the 1930s, and it's just... Yeah. It is a, such an eye-opener, you know. Yeah. It certainly yeah. wasn't all Brideshead, that's for sure. An Evelyn War. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's um, it, 
It is interesting, though, isn't it? Because an awful lot of British cities um, were b- bordered on slum, didn't they? Yeah, and, Glasgow and, and that, as well, you know, the Gordon Glasgow, war. yeah, yeah. And that then feeds into the mood the mood in the war that, that, the, that then when the beverage report comes out, people go, all right, then, yeah, OK, there is a social contract here and you're going to, you're going to honour your side of it. And part of yeah. that is to make sure, you know, that people don't have to live like this anymore. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, you know, Liverpool, Liverpool, of course, is a, as a red city and all that sort of thing. It, it, it's interesting that you end up, you end up with the Conservative government effectively having to do something about this when yep. normally it would try and avoid try and avoid doing this sort of thing at all cost unless there's votes in it of course right um now here's another one an extraordinary question from one of our independent company members um in ireland ricky hayes uh, uh, independent company members to uh, a casual listener that's someone who's on our patreon um uh where you get the live cast and all sorts of exciting stuff and you and you get first dibs on the merch right and book offers and all that sort of thing i mean we're like you know, we're like the modern frontier of uh, cottage industry capitalism here, yeah, James. Um, yeah. Hi, guys. Yeah, we make it worth it, worth it as well. <laughs> we certainly do. Um, I love the pod, and Thursday's now my favourite day of the week. Oh, bless oh. you. I watched a documentary today and heard something incredible about the Second World War. Apparently, the Americans found out that Hitler was proposing to invade South America. This was before Pearl Harbor. Have you any insight into this? Ricky Hayes, uh, Loch in Island, County Down. Ricky, I really, I really think that's just a, that's just a bad, bad doc you've been watching, I'm afraid. I don't think they're going to that at all. I mean, just think about it. How the hell are they going to do that? I mean, it's interesting. I well, isn't I mean, this? You know, isn't... There's no mention of it in any Wallamont. Walter Wallamont was was ahead of plans for for the um, the OKW, Oberkommando de Wehrmacht, the Combined yeah. Services General Staff, and there's just no mention of it at all. There's no mention of South America or anything like that. You know, so they're the guys that be doing it. And you know, first of all, they don't have a they don't have much of a surface fleet. B, yeah. they don't have any landing craft. See, yeah. South America is about as far as where you can possibly go if you're yeah. Germany. D, you've got but to get through the the blockade. Couldn't you look blah, at blah, this blah. the other way around, though? Is this not the Americans freaking out that 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 with France falling that the you know everything's everything? It's the thing. It's the thing. Um, no, it was Mike Nyberg, wasn't it? it was, yes, it was Mike. So maybe maybe this is like a this is a sort of fractal of that idea that the Americans maybe. are thinking strategic balance has changed here. Um, you know what? What do we do, what do we do about that? But I don't think you know. I mean, what are they invading South America for anyway? The corned beef. I mean, the corned beef. That's what they're invading South <laughs> America Mentos for. Perfectly sensible. They want the Frey Bentos factory. Well, uh, well, after all, after all, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, Oxo. You know, um, Liebig's reduction of uh, bone stock thing. That was a German, an Anglo-German venture in yeah. Paraguay. And when the First World War came, they decided that they were no longer an Anglo-German venture. They were an Anglo venture and dropped the German end of the business. <laughs> people, people that made, made, made Oxo. Anyway. It's, um, very difficult. Uh, it's very difficult with TV docs, though, because, you know, an awful lot of it is just absolutely wibble. Uh, and and you you just you don't have the che- you don't you just don't have the checks and balances that you get with, yeah. with publishing something where, you know, you just... You know, I mean, a documentary, how it, how it gets... I mean, I was working on these documentaries about... You know, and I started working with this guy. And this yeah. guy employed me to write the scripts of these documentaries. Yeah. And and then then kept changing them and changing them to, to just absolute nonsense. And I said, well, look, yeah. you, can, you, you can change that, but that, that is no longer true. And if that's true, I didn't really want to put my name to it. And he went, <laughs> OK, you're fired. 
Really? Yeah, basically, yes. I went, okay, fine. <laughs> you know, he was trying to... He had this whole agenda for the kind of sort of Germans in the 90s. I think it was War Factories, it was called. Yeah. It was absolutely bizarre, the whole thing. Yeah. And, you know, you've got all these little sort of researchers, who, uh, research assistants who come on, and, you know, they're straight out of university. And, you know, what, what would you do if you're trying to kind of sort of get the info quick? You just go straight onto Wikipedia, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Speaking of which, um, I'm reading a um, I'm reading a book called Hitler's Monsters, which is about the Nazi predilection for the supernatural. Oh, and when wow. I finished it, we'll talk about it on the podcast. Oh, it's really yeah, really interesting about about um, uh, and about a thing they call border border science, and so the Thule Society and all those people and where they oh. where they all get their ideas from, where how it all co- coagulates, and then how it feeds into um, the Nazi mindset. And it's not it's not you know they're trying to do magic. Um, like in a movie but it's like how the how the how particularly middle european ideas about the supernatural get fed into nazi imagery so you know the Jew, jewish people as a sort of vampire and a night walker and all that sort of thing right. and they're literally they're taking they're taking 19th century uh mythos off the mm. off the peg and and plugging it into their worldview and, so and that's not the, that's not the occult stuff there's some occult stuff in it. There's bits of occult. He, he, he called it supernatural, the book, rather than occult. And there's a bit in the opening. You know those, those history books where they say, in the, those, those sort of scholarly books, they go, in this book, in chapter one, I will be doing this, right? Yes, <laughs> so yes. he does all that in the introduction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, it, and he says, I've not called it occult because it's, it's not just about that. It's about right. pop, okay. pop culture ideas about witches and, and <clears throat> vampires right. and, and werewolves. And then, of course, you get the, you know, the werewolves late at the end of the war and yeah, attempt yeah. to set this werewolf thing in motion. And what that's drawing on... In uh, old German tradition, werewolves are, um, aren't necessarily bad. They're often they're like a berserker animal that's protecting the community. Right. And so the, so the Nazis take yeah, that. Yeah. And, of course, they, they call them werewolves, <clears throat> like Wehrmacht, defense wolves. So they're, like, they're punning right, with right, it at right, the right, same right, time. Right, right. Anyway, Very but when I finished... Well, Hitler was when obsessed I finished, with wolves, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. yeah that's there. what he called, that's what he called himself. Yeah, yeah so... Yeah, and so it's all t- it's all an Adolf means and that's tied up with forests, isn't it? And Wagner yeah, and all sorts of yeah, weird yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. but when I finish this book, I'll um I'll regurgitate some of it. But there's, so that's but just there's a three even, minute little taster of a future. Well, yeah, there's even you know there's even stuff about these border science guys who are coming, and they call it border science, which is stuff on the edge of science. So dowsing becomes really is a thing that they're really yes. into. Hitler has Hitler has the chancery doused when he you know when he moves his office in there, and and really? there's all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's all that going on, right? Yep. And then also, and then these blokes going, coming to Hitler and go, yeah, I can build you an anti-gravity machine. And he goes, oh, really? That sounds incredible. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's and, Kamler, and, isn't it? What are we talking about? Yeah, it's with- Kamler. Kamler and, and Kamler, and I, uh, I can't remember that, is Schausberg or something. Is the bloke who, the bloke who says, I can build you an anti-gravity machine. And I'm gonna need I'm gonna need 800 people from this concentration camp to build it, and they all and he kills and them all. And there's the, that amazing just, book by Nick um, Nick Cook um, yeah. called The Hunt for Zero Point. It's yeah, absolutely brilliant. Anyway, um, um, anyway, we'll, but, we'll but, save all uh, that. When I finished it, but it but it, it's the stuff that gets it's the fact that there's the that you know you've got all this um, Aryan mysticism at the end of the night and yeah. Aris, uh, you know Blavatsky and all these sort of people with these crazy yeah, yeah. ideas. That and and some of them are coming up with these theories of the world in order to be in order to actually to be anti-racist, but in the process right. Right, in the right, process right. create a racist framework that the 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 Nazi thinkers and and the Nazi thinkers sort of predecessors pinch 
and then and then re-engineer. You know, it's mm. it's very very interesting. You know, there's a lot to do with the collapse of the collapse of Christian religion in the 19th century and people yeah, filling yeah. the void with new ideas. Anyway, I will I I will. Um, I mean, I got a long drive to Norwich today. I might read it on the all the way there and back. Um, uh, and I will regurgitate when we when we well, when we convene wait. it another time. Anyway, should we do one more question? Let's finish with this one. Here's an interesting message from one of our new listeners called Andrew. My uncle, Harry Oldreeve, was born in Portsmouth and attended Northern Secondary School. He did his apprenticeship in electronics in the dockyard, then progressed to the drawing office. He didn't have to do national service because he was working for the MOD. He ended up in Hong Kong and was incarcerated in a POW camp. When Hong Kong was captured, the Union flag was still flying. Uncle Harry retrieved it and kept it with him during the length of his captivity, hiding it on inspections and sharing the burden with his colleagues. Incredible. Upon release, Uncle Harry returned to the drawing office in Bath. Then he became the drawing office manager back in Portsmouth until his retirement. He married but had no children. My mother said he was a changed man after his time in prison camp. He would never eat rice, would never have anything Japanese in the house, and never spoke about his time in camp. Wow. There was a book written in which Harry Aldreeve was mentioned. I've read the book. My uncle would not. That's the flag. Apparently, it was given by my Aunt Betty to the Imperial War Museum, Manchester. My f- mother says the flag has the names of the other prisoners embroidered on it. Incredible. Wow. I love all this stuff that's coming out of the kind of, yeah. you know. Yeah. These hidden stories, hidden little gems. Yeah. And, you and know, it's that thing, isn't it? Da- that, that I mean, honestly, how fucking dangerous thing. would that be? How dangerous would that be, having that flag? Oh, and the God. trouble, the, you know... The, the mortal danger you are in doing that. But, God, incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, amazing. Amazing. Um, and thank you for sending that in, Andrew. And if anyone else has... Well, just We just like we just like to know and we like to, um, you know, build on this giant stockpile of incredible anecdote and as well as crunching the numbers, we do like the stories too, don't we, James? Yeah. I do think we yeah. should put some of these anecdotes in, in a bit on the website, shouldn't we? Well, I think that's what... We've got a, now we've got a website... Thanks to David um, Paxton, we can, and he's he's. I think he did a great job. If anyone needs a website doing, um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, that's it for today. Battle of Britain Day. We hope you enjoyed it. Where are the reserves? There are none. Yeah, but that's the plan. It's all right. Calm down, Winston. Um, <laughs> Where are the reserves? <laughs> we go to defeat the Nazis. <laughs> see you on see you on Thursday for a, a little bit of Arnhem with the Paras. Charlie Howard, cheerio. What's not to like? Nothing.